Welcome to episode 14. Thank you for coming. Let's get started. Meat and potatoes for this episode. I wanted to ask you guys a question. Do you like to move? Are you one of those people who stays in one place, you find your spot and you're like, that's it, I love this, I don't need anything else? Or are you the kind of person that gets antsy? It's like, I need to move, I need new places, new faces, let's go. What about your childhood? Did your parents move a lot? My mom and I, we moved quite a bit, but our first big move was across country when I was about three years old. And I think that first big move was the beginning of me learning how to feel like I'm at home in new places. So for me, if I'm there for two weeks, I might feel like it's home because, hey, how long is it that you need to be at a place before you consider it your home? But also, all that moving around, kind of as a kid, before you get all the coping mechanisms, before you learn that life is bigger than the little microcosm that you exist in, moving around's kind of scary, <laughs> you know? Uh, you start to make friends, make connections, they matter because your world is so small. So those connections are so huge. And then boom, they're cut. Not that you had a choice in it because you're young, you're a kid. These are your choices of your parents. This is life circumstances just happening around you. And that happened a lot for me. We moved all the way back across country right before I got into the sixth grade. That's also a terrible time to start trying to acclimate into a new school, new group. And it seemed like every time I moved, I moved into a school where the kids had been there and in the same circles their entire lives. So it wasn't like I was an army brat with a bunch of other army brats who also moved, who also felt like a stranger in a strange world. No, I was trying to acclimate into a already secured group. And that generally means you gotta fit in. You gotta acclimate, right? You gotta change a little bit of who you are so that you fit in, especially when you're young. You don't even know who you are, right? You kind of are your environment. So, I don't know, after adolescence and deciding where I was at 18 was where I was gonna be, I was gonna start making roots, getting married, having kids. And I wake up one day and I've been in the same town, the same city for 20 years. My kids were all born in the same town, same city. 
two of them in the same hospital. It's so different from my reality. My brother and I, who share the same mom, who we grew up together, we were both born in two completely different places, me on the West Coast, him on the East Coast. Uh, it has been something that although for me as a child, I sort of, although I was happy throughout my entire childhood, I looked back on those elements, the moving, the picking up, you know, your belongings and leaving everything you know for something new, and oftentimes not being able to, you know, when I finally left the East Coast, those lifelong friends, even though my life had been only 11 years at that point, 11 and a half years, those lifelong friends, I had to leave. For a girl who came from a single parent, for a girl who didn't have both parents doting over her, my father was not involved in my daily life. He was barely involved in my yearly life. He was, you know, so abstract. And my mom, being a single parent, had to work. So I spent a lot of time being alone feeling alone and those connections those friends Bernard Misty Richie those three key people in my life those were my family so when we moved back to the west coast all of that was gone for all intents and purposes it was gone now luckily thanks to technology again so much why I'm team robot but thanks to technology I've reconnected I haven't found Richie yet but Misty Bernard oh yeah in fact Misty I got to see she came to the Northwest she loved it so much she got a tattoo to remind her of the Northwest and seeing her was like seeing a reflection of myself I miss her I have missed her. And Bernard, I have not seen since I left the East Coast when I was 11 and a half. Knowing he's still out there, knowing I can connect with him via Facebook has been a gift. And being able to connect with his father, who was absolutely a father figure to me growing up when I was on the East Coast, Knowing that I can still be connected to them has brought me um, a sense of home again, which for this little girl has always been very fleeting. And so, and I, I know that I will see Bernard sooner rather than later, and I will hug his father, my dad, again. Um, even though he's not my biological father, even though I, I, I never to his face called him dad. But he was in every way my dad for those very important years of 3 to 11. And I wonder how you guys have grown up. Did you move a lot in your childhood? 
Did you not move a lot and decided when you got to be an adult, you were out of here? You're going to go see it all and live in as many places as possible? Have you joined the service? Has being in the job profession you're in garnered you garnered you some new sites, new people, foreign lands even? I've only traveled to a few other countries. I say only in light that many people I know personally have traveled abroad multitude of times. And so I wonder, do you have that bug? Have you lived in the same place your entire life and generations in the same place? What's that like? What kind of security does that give you? I know of my children who have been born here, and actually all four of my children were born in the Northwest. I know one in particular looks forward to living away from the Northwest, like having new adventures, new sights, new sounds, being anonymous in a new place, and what that means. So yeah, I've been thinking about that, and you know, with the pandemic, people were really slowed down to the point where they took stock. I've heard so many people talk about moving out of cities that were way overpriced and deciding that what was important when they couldn't work and were stuck at home was not at all what their life was framed around. And so they changed it, you know? I know some people have been so thankful to be in the same house and in the same town during this pandemic. They haven't had to feel a sense of aloneness. They've had a network surrounding them even as we all isolated. I know other people who found solace in the fact that during the pandemic we were all alone. Right? We all had to kind of deal with this feeling, this awareness that we're in our own little bubble. And what those implications mean in our daily life and how we see the world. A lot of things have changed. So I hope you guys are finding home wherever you are. And if you aren't at home... I hope listening to this podcast makes you think of home, and I hope you know that you always have a home here with me, and I love you. Thank you for listening. Stick around. We've got a few more segments coming right up. snack time and sweet treats kind of together because we do have the these are the people in our neighborhood segment that's going to be coming up and I and I've got two recipes for you guys little quick salad recipes for the summer and so I'm just going to have sweet treats and snack time all one segment for this episode 
So, let me get to some of the things I wanted to talk to you guys about. I was just um, thinking over the last few days about how neat this phenomenon of podcasts is. And since podcasts really, for me anyways, they started, you know, 10, 15 years ago. And there were only a few. And most people didn't know anything about it. And um, talk radio was still a thing on your regular radio stations. And the internet was still figuring itself out exactly. Was it going to be MySpace? Was it going to be Facebook? Anyhow, so it was really in a very newborn state. But now podcasts seem to be on a stride a little bit. There's enormous amount of podcasts out there for every topic, every person, everything you could think of that you want to listen to. It's out there, and there's a lot more people getting on board the podcast train where it was just sort of your average Joes out there with a sprinkling of famous people, entertainers, or sportscasters, or politicians who had retired from the politician life. Now it's growing in leaps and bounds with, you know, popularity with all the famous people out there. We have athletes that have podcasts. We have police officers retired that have podcasts. We have actors and actresses, models, comedians, which are my favorite podcasts to listen to by far. And, you know, you have every subject under the sun, whether it's Dan Carlin's Hardcore History or you have um, Doug Benson's movie reviews, or Doug Benson is a comedian, but you know, you have Naomi Campbell, who also has a new podcast, you have Barack Obama and Rick Springfield, there's just, uh, and, and it goes on and on and on and on, and there are tons of places now that offer podcasts, so with all that being said, I was like, whoa, this is really cool, because I got on here podcasting because it's an avenue of content that I love and I I listen to and I take in on a regular basis all the time and I wanted to be a part of that <laughs> and and I felt like I I wanted to have a voice you know you have a voice obviously but I wanted to shout it from the rooftops if you will and so podcasting was like, okay, now there's a way to get into this. When I first started listening, when podcasts first started, you know, it was, it required a lot more equipment. It required money. It re you know, there was just, now it's literally so, so easy to do. And because of that, like everybody's able to speak their truth. And it doesn't need to be on a social media platform where you have everybody's comments and you have to filter and you have somebody shutting you down. Obviously, all of these platforms are still able to shut off your content, presumably, uh, but it's certainly far more direct and it's your own space. You can choose to listen or not listen. If you don't like me or my voice or the podcast, you don't have to continue to listen. There's a ton of other podcasts and I'm sure you'll find one that you love. But if you love listening to me 
and you love hearing what I have to say or the kinds of things we can talk about, if you love to get a quick recipe that's not too hard to follow, it's just by your, you know, a, a mom down the street, this is the place to go and you love it, that's great. And it's here for you. I'm here for you. And I thought, well, that's so cool that we have this new phenomenon where you don't have to be alone. You know, you don't have to feel terminally unique in the way that you're thinking or the thoughts that you're having or the actions that you're living through or the experiencing experiences that you're having. You can find somebody out there that's doing the same stuff, going through the same stuff, thinking the same wild outlandish things you are or not, you know, uh, but they're out there and they're waiting for you. And I just love that idea that our community is growing, especially when we're thinking about mental health. And I, I think we should all be thinking about mental health a lot more. We see magazine articles about how to get your body toned up, how to look your prettiest, how to attract the opposite sex. I think the conversation should be wrapped around mental wellness far more than it is. And so with that being said, I think it's really cool that we have like this support network out there that's growing and reaching more and more people. I think it's wild to think that this little podcast, me, nobody from nowhere, you know, I'm just, I'm just Tara. I'm just your mama hanging out in the pantry. And I've got somebody listening to me in Queensland, Australia. I've got somebody listening to me in Germany, and I can't remember the name of the, the city, but damn it, that's awesome. I am jazzed, and you can do it too, and we can all do it, and if you don't want to do it, you can at least have somebody to listen to, to help you get along this path, not feeling as alone as you might be feeling, so just remember that. We are all out here for each other. I am here for you. I am so glad you are here. I hope you have enjoyed this episode. There's a lot of good stuff following this little snack sweet treat moment. And so I hope you stick around for that. I, uh, I'm getting through my schooling. I'm doing IT schooling on, on the internet so that I can have a little more flexibility with my schedule. And the finish line is like within reach now. We're about we as in me and my multiple personalities, we are about six weeks out from finishing. It really it's seven, but you get closer to the end and you like start to tell yourself, oh, I'm closer than I actually am. But no, it's, it's about seven weeks from graduation and I'm so, it's like a graduation. I'm so stoked about it. I'm looking forward to um, what might follow the schooling and getting out there into the new world of IT and whatever that's going to be. I look forward to, you know, the future. So anyhow, I just love sharing all this with you guys. And uh, do remember, by the way, a little quick reminder about we're going to have a comments contest. And so to leave a comment directly for this episode, for this podcast, you want to go to anchor.fm, look up Mama's Pantry, and leave a comment, or you can leave a comment via email, 
or through Facebook on our page on Facebook. Either way, the contest is going to start in just a couple weeks. It'll last for about a month, and then we'll pick a winner. So what are you going to win? Good question. Come back. I'll tell you in the next episode. the people in our neighborhood, in our neighborhood, in our neighborhood. Oh, these are the people in our neighborhood, the people that we meet when we're walking down the street, the people in our neighborhood. Welcome to Mama's Pantry. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Well, so I'm, I know we're going to have another guest with you, but I just wanted to quick let them know, what do you do for a living? Who are you, this person in our neighborhood? I am a wildland fire dispatcher. My official title is All Hazard dispatcher, but I act as the lead logistics dispatcher in our wildland uh, fire dispatch center. Okay. For right the on. U.S. Forest Service. Okay, and how long have you been doing this? This is my 22nd fire season, so Holy collectively cow. it's 22 years, but some of those years were as seasonals, not year-round, but so 22 fire seasons. So are you like, are is this a new field in your family, or are you like a generational forest service kind of person? I am a, a third generation forest service kid. Wow. Uh, my grandfather worked for the forest service for a short duration in his life and then my dad's was a career forest service um, fire and law enforcement. Didn't he just fight fires last year? Uh, yes, he retired as law enforcement when he was 52, so 17 years ago. Holy cow. And he has been a civilian hire for fires for the last 17 years, but he finally retired, retired last year. Oh my gosh, so he was actually in the fire camps and fighting fires last year. Yeah, he worked as a liaison officer, so a lot of security management, liaison work with local law enforcement for, for large fires. Crazy, yeah. crazy. And, and how old is he? Just as... Just... He will be 71 <laughs> what a, this summer. What an ox, that's awesome. Okay, so we're going to get ready for Amanda to show up. We should be hearing the knock on the door at any second. I'm going to pause right here and we'll wait for Amanda to join us. Hello? Hello, Tara. Hi, Amanda. I'm so glad you're here in the pantry. Thanks for having me. I'm pretty excited to be here. Here too. I'll let you guys say hello. Hey, Amanda. Hi, Erin. Welcome. <laughs> Welcome to Mama's Pantry in the neighborhood. I love it. 
So I was just talking to Erin. I just quickly let her introduce herself to the listeners. And I'll, um, trying not to yell, we're doing this outside, but so pardon me if I sound loud. <laughs> but um, wh- why don't you introduce yourself? Tell me what you do for a living. All right, let's 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 do it. Uh, my name is Amanda Dales, uh, and I'm a wildland firefighter. My official position title is fire prevention technician with the okay. um, Gifford Pinchot National Forest here in Southwest Washington. Wow, wow, that's mm-hmm. a large area to be in charge of. Well, it's it's 1.3 million acres that that we cover, so, so it is a fairly large area. Now, this is totally off topic, kind of, but do you think there's a Yeti out there? Have you, have you seen sign? So. I hope so, Tara. <laughs> it, it is a fact that it is illegal to hunt Bigfoot in Skamania County, where I reside. It is the only county You're in kidding. the United States. No kidding. No. Oh, well, you must have a lot of people out there in the forest uh, searching for him then. That must be a we popular do. area. We do. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess the uh, the other question is, have you found the plane that fell with all the money in it? I guess that's more no. towards Portland, but yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, I've actually, I've actually heard of the general vicinity, and I have walked into that area. Oh, but man. But I've, I've never man. found it. Yeah. Never found it. Yeah, cool. yeah. Well, uh, and how long have you been doing this type of job? Uh, I'm on year 17 with the Forest Service this year. Holy cow. Now, like Erin, she's a third generation in her family. Have you, are you the first generation or do you have family that's been in forest fires or fire? Well, I was, I was a child of the fire service um, as the daughter of a a volunteer fire chief. So I grew up understanding what it meant to, you know, give back in the community and spent my childhood days at the fire station and in parades rather than spectating all that kind of stuff did you always know you were going to be doing what you're doing now or did you kind of fall into Erin sort of fell into it although she had volunteered like you as a young kid and and all that stuff but she wasn't really sure at 18 that like that was her path did you already know that you were going to do this as a living you know I I think that volunteer that volunteer spirit kind of is in you I started as a volunteer um, at the age of 16 as well. So I've been doing that for 22 years. Um, wow. So I think it's just kind of in your blood and it is something that I always that I always wanted to do. I, I wanted more so to be in structure fire. Um, so when I graduated high school, I started in the EMS path in the emergency services. And then I realized that the outdoors were much more forgiving and humbling than helping humans. So <laughs> that's, where, <laughs> that's where I stayed. Now, speaking about that, going out into the wilderness and stuff, I will uh, admit to you that Aaron gave me a little snapshot of you through a picture. And it was you, I think, while you maybe were in Alaska and you had a a shotgun in your hand. And I was like, oh, where does that fall into forest fire? So is that for like getting, you know, being prepared for animals or it is. Yeah, that's a, that's your bear protection. So you arrive in Alaska to go fight fire and it's a it's a small training that they give you to certify you on the shotgun. So it's pretty much if you've had you know if you've used a shotgun in the past and are familiar with with guns of any sort, they they give you a, a training and send you out to the wilderness. It's the only way to protect yourselves. So they give you many tips on how to keep your garbage out of camp, but we were we were on a hell attack module, so we were flying into the back country in a helicopter. Um, so they just take you out there, drop you off at the fire. And then when the fire is suppressed, they come back and Whoa. pick you up. So 
So it's definitely not a place you don't want to be without that protection. <laughs> well, and how long would you potentially be dropped out there? I mean, obviously till the fire's out, but like, could that be multiple days? Oh yeah. So we, we flew in, we fly with seven days of gear. I mean, you can, you can load your helicopter to any capacity. It depends on how many people are in it and how much weight you're allowed. Right. Uh, but generally you'll either go, depending on the magnitude of the fire, they'll send you out for three days, um, seven days, and then up to 14 sometimes as well. Holy cow. So have you ever, have you ever had an animal encounter out there? And, and, and how long were you in Alaska? Uh, so Alaska, this last time, 2019, I was in Alaska for 21 days. Um, wow. And believe it or not, my animal encounters were not in Alaska. We did see them oh, flying oh, out of the no. helicopter window. We saw lots of animals, but we could see them in the distance from, from the m multiple fires that we were on, but we didn't have any direct encounters. But so I do where were, your, where were your direct encounters? <laughs> I'm my scared. My direct encounter was just outside of Inyat, Washington. That was probably oh. in probably 2008 or nine. Um, it was on a, I even remember the name of the mountain. It was called Swakane Mountain. And oh. we were holding a fire line. So we were doing some, some burnout operations where you light fire off of a line to fight fire with fire. Okay, and right. a bear, so we're all spread out probably oh, every no. 30 feet all the way down the line. And person number one in the line was like, you guys back off the line, there's a bear. This bear just came barreling down the fire yeah. line, just like it was a trail following the fire yeah. line. So every, I mean, he passed all 20 of us, ran right by us. And then he kind of hung out down below us for probably hour, hour and a half. So we couldn't hike out. So we just waited him out. Oh my gosh. Oh my God. <laughs> but it was a male, not a female. That's I guess good. Well, she didn't have cubs. It didn't yeah. have cubs. <laughs> so that was a perk. Definite perk. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've, I've had one encounter, but she had cubs. So that was in Yosemite and, uh, we just did like kind of, I mean, it wasn't nearly as long. It was, it felt like forever, but it was maybe 15 minutes before she and her cubs took off. But um, it felt like forever. And we just stood like statues. We didn't move a muscle, but it's one of my biggest fears. So it's, it's amazing to me to think about you fighting fires and doing all that. But it, on top of that, having to worry about tigers and lions and bears, oh my. Right. And that's, that's what scares me too, Tara, is the, the predators, more the, the cougar sightings and the increased amount of cougars in our forest these days too. That's Bears have never, they, they don't really intimidate me because if you give them their space and don't get in between them and their cubs, you're generally fine. But the thought of being right. stalked, I'm not crazy about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially when you're camped in, you know, you're in there for a couple of days so they could be yeah. keeping an eye on you and such. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah and you don't know they're there. Yeah, that uh, really scares the bejeebies out of me. <laughs> <laughs> you and me both. <laughs> so so with the fire prevention um, technician stuff, so is it is it a good thing? Can, I, can you give me a couple um, items that maybe when we're going out camping that we should think about having with us, you know, so we can, you know, maybe put out our fires, our fire rings and properly and like, what does that entail? Tara, I could talk about this all day. <laughs> I love you. That's I'll awesome. give you the shortest answer possible. Um, okay. So, you know, as as we all know, there's there's nothing quite like going out to the great outdoors and 
having a campfire and eating your s'mores and enjoying the fresh air. But what we encourage people to do is just make sure when they go out there, nine out of 10 uh, fires, wildfires are caused by humans in today's day and age. And that's a huge number. So we're doing yeah. the best we can with what we have to try to reduce that number. But with increased forest users, you know, there's more people using the forest and there's, there's just a higher volume of humans out there. So yeah, we just really yeah. want to encourage people to to make sure they choose a safe safe spot for their campfire with a, a fire ring all the way around it. You know, rocks that are 360 degrees all the way around the fire pit. Um, make sure it stays a manageable size. We don't need bonfires in the Forest Service, just campfires. Right. <laughs> you right. know? Um, right, right. That's a big one. I can, that's a big one because I know, especially when I was younger, you know, I'm in my 40s now. Um, but when I was younger, you hear and know people that would go out to um, camp and that was like their their goal was to make the biggest fire. They just, I don't know, they like revert to this caveman mentality and have no idea the, the strength or power of a fire and just want to make the biggest one. It's just crazy. It's crazy. You're right. You are so right. And it's the embers. People don't think about the embers from their campfire being the problem. But you know, right. you get a, a lot of campfires are in areas that are grassy around it. You get those really fine fuels, we call them. Yeah. Um, and those ignite very readily. So those embers right. that come off of your fire, the larger your fire is, the more embers there are. And there goes there goes your wildfire. But uh, right. Right. Well, um, the key point there is to make sure that people put those campfires out before they leave. And if you can, I'm sure you've probably heard it from Erin. Yeah. <laughs> In her job, yeah. she deals with abandoned campfires all day, every she day, does. just like yeah. I do. Yeah. And it gets exhausting. So Smokey Bear's message of, of drown, stir, and feel, just drown it with water, stir it with a shovel, and, you know, feel. Get to the point where you can actually touch it with your hand to make sure it's all the way out. Um, right. It's just crucial. But a lot of people, when they go camping, they don't think to bring a shovel and a right. bucket. But there's, I always right. tell them, you know, you can use a pan. You can use anything you have on hand. You can use a big stick to stir it. There's always a way to get that thing out. So, Well, and I'm going to tell you, heard. honestly, and I've camped a lot. And I've taken a shovel and I've had water next to the camp. And I've, a girl. I've poured water out. But I'm going to be honest with you. I have rarely, if ever, stirred it. And I, so I'm glad to hear that because, and I wonder, could they put like little placards next to like designate? I know this is a lot and there'd be a lot of rings to put a little plaque, but just having those steps of stir and soak and touch, it would be mm -hmm. nice to just have a little sign next to every fire ring out there. <laughs> Absolutely. And we do have, we have little flags. This is kind of a new okay. thing in the last, like, I think they came out with them in 2019, but they're just little flags that you can stick in the fire pit that just reminds even campers that are camping and they're still present at the campsite, but then they go yeah. say swim, swim for the day and they leave their campfire going. That's so we just genius. stick one of those little flags inside their, yeah. their firing. So when they come back, they recognize that they left it going. Um, so that's been fairly effective as well. But the, the fact is, is people can create, firing essentially anywhere at this point so right. it's, it's really hard to to track that and then be able to pick up your trash of of the little flags that are on a wire stick because we don't yeah. want to you know we want to we want them to pack it out we don't want to be contributing yeah no that's the big one with fishing and stuff you know packing out i have i've always been really disappointed when i've gone to the rivers to see how much fishing gear is left behind because i know you had the means of bringing it to the river. Right. I'm not sure what the, you know, disconnect yeah. is that 
keeps you from taking it home with you. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Um, okay. So I'm going to ask Aaron real quick, just, just to speak on those forest uh, fires that, well, the, the abandoned fires. I know that um, there was like a meeting of the mines not too long ago and just the sheer numbers of how many abandoned fires um, in certain areas, it was somewhere along the lines of like, what was it, Aaron? So it wasn't just abandoned campfires. She was talking about um, a report from Northeast Washington. Actually, um, their count already year to date was 250 fires from January 1 until I think it was about a week ago. They have had 250 fires year to date, all human cost. All human cost. Wow. And I know that's not a surprise to you, but holy cow. Yeah, it's scary. It was it really a bit is. of a shock for me for this earlier in, in the year. Absolutely. And then how many of those um, were sizable as well as the question within a drought year like we're experiencing right now. They right. have the opportunity to get bigger faster and people just don't think about it because they're used to being on the west side of the state where it's really wet. Right. Yeah, you don't, you mean, I mean, even all over the nation, people think about the Northwest and they think of it as being like this hub of rain and moisture and they forget we have high deserts and, you know. Right, and clearly, clearly yep. an example was last year of, of even the West Side, which is a misnomer that the West Side doesn't frequently burn or burn big was um, clearly um, not the case for last year. Yeah, last year was terrible. And that's where I can, can I fit in another plug here, Tara? Please, yes, please. <laughs> another the floor fire prevention floor. plug. <laughs> so yeah, on, on that note, good. great point brought up by Aaron. The west side of our state um, doesn't understand necessarily what it is to have wildfire in your backyard. So, so on behalf of fire prevention all over the country, um, just plan for that wildfire. You know, embers cause most home ignitions. Um, so homeowners can take so many steps to make their home survivable or their community safer by learning how to reduce what we call fuel load. It's the amount of, of brush and understory yeah. on their property. And, and if you just Google Firewise concepts, you can learn how to reduce the chances of your property burning in a catastrophic wildfire. Man. And understand that the protocols for, um, for evacuations, the ready, set, go concept is be ready, you know, as a level one evacuation notice, be set is a level two evacuation notice and a level three you need to have your stuff together and be ready to go so okay. those are just two concepts that we really encourage people to look into there's a ton of material out there to help home homeowners well but, and to bring it home if, if people need more of a push than the experts like you and Aaron telling them uh, Netflix just share just put out a movie about the paradise and uh, Phoenix fires uh, and I drove through there earlier this year and it was devastating to see even so many months and, you know, almost however long it's been now since the fires. But um, it, just to see what was houses that are literally ash, um, mm -hmm. I, I, obviously being prepared is makes all the difference. Right. Correct. Yes. Well, okay, so I, I have just a couple more questions, but please share anything that you, you know, want to make sure that gets in here. I'm, I'm wondering, you know, because you work out in the field and stuff, is, is there a lot of women that do what you do? Are there any, um, is it any more complicated to be out there in the field as a, as a woman, like 
bathroom facilities and such. <laughs> <laughs> this is a very unprofessional part of the conversation, Tara. <laughs> I know, I know, this I know. I'll just, I'll just go straight up honest with you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, yeah. I just pulled the curtain. <laughs> there's definitely far less women in the field than there are men. Um, yeah. And I think there are many contributing factors to that. Sure. I personally have a very strong type A personality, so I've never run into a lot of the typical problems that women face in the industry. So uh, sure. I have enjoyed every minute of it, but I've been a tomboy most of my life as well. So uh, well, the I dirt, the dust and the grime doesn't, doesn't affect me quite Bobby as strong as I, does a lot of women, I think. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But there are definitely, there are definitely downfalls to it, but it, just to match all the downfalls, I feel like there's, there's also perks, but it's, it's also something learned too. bathroom facilities, dealing with being a woman. Um, yeah, there are, right, right, right. <laughs> it's, yeah. It's if you've spent any time outdoors as a woman anyways, yeah, you've probably pretty much mastered that dilemma. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I prefer I, the cleanliness of the forest. So, <laughs> right, right. Well, and I, I, I kind of think. I mean, I don't know necessarily. I haven't been in every position that men generally classically hold, but when I have been in positions that were generally um, male dominated, if I came in there um, earnest and did my work and pulled my load, I, I almost enjoyed it more than working with a lot of women to be honest. <laughs> Absolutely. I would agree 100%. And and going in and, and, and holding your own and contributing to the workload, um, I, I've always been respected equally. I feel like I've yep. never been yep. I've never been given freebies on it either. Yep. So yeah, I think that's I I've I've found that to be true in my uh, in my dealings too, which have been kind of limited, but but okay. And now I think the only other question I had for you is what was one of the biggest surprises being that you um, got into this profession already having some family members that had done it, you had volunteered at a young age. Was there anything that surprised you or you were like, whoa, I didn't I didn't expect this to scare me or I didn't expect this to be um, some a part of it on the on the downside. But also, was there a part that like really surprised you? You were like, this is so much more fulfilling than I anticipated. Oh, completely. Yeah. So mother nature is extremely humbling. So learning the yeah. force of, of mother nature through this mm. job has been the greatest thing ever. Um, the most surprising aspect I think was, was just living two lives. So we're a national resource working for the U S forest service. So that means you have a job at home. So I work on the Gifford Pinchot in fire prevention, but then I also work on large wildfires as a firefighter during the fire season. So wow. that means, you know, wow. I also work in aviation and I also work as an engine boss and have these different qualifications, fire wow. investigation. So there's many things that you can do, but you're essentially living two lives. So what you do is you have a life at home where you have your family and your security and yeah. you get a phone call on any given day that's not planned. And prior to this job, I was a big planner. <laughs> so you receive a phone call on a Friday night at 9.30 and you, Aaron says, Amanda, you have a resource order and you are going to New Mexico tomorrow morning. We need you to be at the station at 6 and be ready to drive to New Mexico. So that's what you do. And then you're gone for 14 days at a time with two wow. days of travel allowed on both sides of that. So generally wow. it's 14 to 16, you know, 18 days. Um, and then you have to go through the transition of coming back home. Right. And it's awesome. overwhelming. Yeah. Yeah. People often like, like, will be like a, a 
celebration. Oh, Amanda's coming home. We're going to go see her. (laughs) So I often, I often will tell people that I'm coming home on a Saturday when I actually come home on a Friday, because after you're on a fire assignment for 14 days with people in your pocket, shoulder to shoulder for that many days, you just want, you want independence and struggling through that process was hard. Man, I bet. And then all the adrenaline too, of, of being, you know, while you're Mm -hmm. fighting, fires and you're you're on go and yep. then come to roller coaster dude i bet the you know just the release of everything yep. you you just probably a pile of goo for a little while <laughs> absolutely <laughs> yeah and then chores you know you go you go on a fire assignment and you're in a fire camp where they provide you with everything your food you know you get up in the morning and you walk like a zombie through your fire camp and you you know grab your plate and then you grab your milk and (laughs) then you come home and you have to do chores again and you're like what this is awful (laughs) well i was um erin has shared some unique stories um i i wanted to hear from her of some of the the kind of strange um calls that she's gotten or through dispatch and Add as she's telling it, please jump on in. Um, Aaron, what, what was one of the most peculiar calls that you've gotten uh, oh. through dispatch? Oh my goodness, I've I've had many. Um, oh goodness, there's probably too many to really uh, <laughs> mention after being in this for 22 years. Um, I get I've had some curious ones um, while in the office working on my day to day job and then I also do what's called the on-call or um, we have an on-call dispatcher you know 24 hours a day so sure. if a fire gets reported at midnight it goes to whoever's on call so we share that load in our office but I've, I've had some I've had some curious ones um, I had one it was uh, several years ago and the gentleman wanted to report a fire that he had come across and he was very concerned he wanted somebody to um come check it out and he had explained to me that he had put um what water he had with him on it which was <laughs> an equivalent to a, a just a single you know reasonable drinking bottle of water and he said he was so concerned that he um didn't have any water left that he turned around and um peed on it to try to <laughs> add more water to put out the fire but apparently that wasn't enough either so um that was a funny one that i had to then turn around and not only report the fire to my duty officer for that zone but warn the firefighters that um the there's the, urine in that the, fire the, the fire may have Don't touch it. hazardous waste material although bless his heart he tried <laughs> I wonder how, I mean, has there been any other scary things found in, you know, that makes me think like, have y'all ever found any bones in a fire ring? Gross. That's morbid. I know, but. I haven't. I I have found a burnt dog. Stop it. No, it was awful. It was absolutely awful. Yeah. You see, you see a multitude of things in fire pits. Yeah. That's what I, 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 (laughs) yeah, I bet. I bet. Yeah. Pretty terrible. Horrible. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and have you, uh, you know, there's hypothermia and stuff. Have you guys ever had it? I know I'm going for the, the really low rung here, but I'm just <laughs> trying to, you know, that's my personality. Um, have you had any like hypothermia? Have you had any people, you know, you disoriented and, 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 um, 
call in? Have you had anybody like naked that's walking around that people are like, there's Oh, yes. We've had um, lots of calls for, well, they're not even hypothermic, just straight up nature walk (laughs) um, reports. This is is a Um, monthly occurrence. Yes. Oh, okay. a high, high occurrence um, (laughs) on multiple forests. Uh, But yeah, no, we've had um, reports of large naked men um, yeah, just nature walk, uh, all, all kinds of, of things. But yeah, lot, lots of people enjoying the woods without clothes, um, for sure. Um, Have there been more homeless people in the forest, either one of you? Um, you know. I, I wouldn't be able to um, answer that one. Very, very much so, Tara. Yeah. Okay. In the last, I went, in the last year and a half, especially. Wow. Well, that must yes. make your job even harder. I mean, I hope you have it a does. lot of patience. <laughs> yes, it, it definitely adds an element of surprise. That is for sure. Yeah, yeah. Because, I mean, cougars are scary, but humans can be <laughs> scarier. Far scarier. We had a, an incident last year. Um, I was working out of Oak Ridge, Oregon. And we had a reported fire. We were in fire restrictions. So there was there was a ban on campfires of any kind in the area. And we got a report of a fire down on the river. So we all hiked in there and it was a homeless camp and they were cooking their dinner. Um, and, and they say that that happens weekly. Right. Down there. right. Um, and it's just, it's where they live and it's how they survive. So it's hard right. to know how to deal with that. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine that. That's complex for sure. For sure, but just public safety-wise, it's oh, oh my gosh. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I usually wrap up. I, is there anything before I wrap up? Is there anything else you want to share, Amanda? Because I know, you know, we are getting into the season. It is a uh, drier this year um, in a lot of places than it's been in record years. Um, is there anything you want us to to remember? Uh, leave us with before we finish this up. Absolutely. Just just make sure to put out those campfires. And, and there's a lot of ways fires are started that people don't don't understand. And that's, you know, it's still smoking still causes fires, fireworks around the 4th of July. Make sure you have a safe place to light off those fireworks. And remember that they're they're not allowed on Forest Service land. Um, accidental ignitions, um, heavy equipment and and debris burning, backyard debris burning. Just be really careful with fire of all aspects in the coming months because it is tinder dry out there yeah and so that's a big one too especially for those um you know those farmers that do the 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 burns for their backyard burns and stuff and and for people doing the campfires and making those camp rings just really look out for the fuel that's around that campfire too maybe maybe sweep it a little bit or i mean i know that sounds silly but i know okay okay because i know in girl scouts when we were learned how to they were teaching us how to start for, you know, fires, a campfire. The tinder around was what we were supposed to gather up first and foremost to building that triangle. So exactly. Uh, Don't build your campfire under a tree. Oh, no, that, no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it seems obvious, but man, it's, I bet it's, it's not, not always it's obvious. Not. And you know, yeah. one more thing too, Tara, when we do go into uh, campfire restrictions, people often yeah. use generators. Yeah. Um, and, the generator's exhaust as well as vehicle exhaust has been known to start quite a few fires, maybe a little bit further east where fuels are a little bit drier, but that's a common, that's a common ignition source as well. So 
Okay. Okay. Good to know. That's this Keep has been I really mind. yeah, Amanda. This has been, and I'm sure there'll be more. Um, you're always welcome back in the pantry anytime, just to get a snack, but also to share. You know, as the season progresses, if you run across things that need to really be reminded for us, I'd love to have you back. Um, I do have a couple wrap-up questions real quick. Are you, Amanda, a salty or sweet snack kind of person? Salty, 100%. 100% salty. Okay, and if you Absolutely. were going to go if you were going to go into your pantry uh, for a snack, uh, what 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 kind of snack would you be grabbing out of your own pantry? Is this is this any snack or is this me trying to make a healthy decision? Do you want the no. raw Amanda or do you want the what no, I would No, it's like choose? it's like two in the morning. You're you're just craving whatever that pleasurable food is. What would you grab out of your pantry? Crunchy Cheetos without a doubt. Oh, I love it. I love it. I love it. <laughs> All right, I'm going to ask Aaron the same questions and then I will let you go. Let me um just step right up here because we have a little interference right now oh yeah my dog is uh is like is this interview over yet hold on a second buddy one second so Erin are you a salty or sweetie person um that is a uh, what I'm feeling at the time I'm a little bit of both but I would lean towards the salty okay all right and if you were going to go into your pantry at like two in the morning you're craving your most favorite snack or you're, you're just, you want something pleasurable in your mouth. What would you grab out of your pantry oh right now? Oh my gosh. Um, probably cereal. Maybe, <laughs> awesome. It was that Tara, Tara, can I tell you really quick why I love Erin? Yes, please, please. Because she has the salted caramels on her desk. So when we go into dispatch for any particular reason, uh -huh. I dream the entire drive, I dream of the salted caramels on Erin's oh, desk. So they're I know, salty. I'm and I'm sweet. currently out, so no. uh, feel, especially now that <laughs> that uh, especially now that we're allowed to have uh, visitors. Yay! Oh. And Yay! So come and see us. Absolutely, can't wait. Excellent. Well, thank you so much, Amanda. This has been such a pleasure, and I do appreciate you coming into the pantry again. And I look forward to you visiting another time real soon. And be thank safe you for having there. me. It's been and great. Thank you, thank you, Tara. Thank you so much, Amanda. I really appreciate all you do. Come see us. <laughs> Will do. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right, we're at Leftovers. I'm going to keep this really short. I just want to say thank you again to Aaron and Amanda and to the listeners for doing your part when you get out there. Remember some of the things that Amanda said, like when we have our campfires, let's have a bucket of water or a gallon of water or two gallons of water. If you don't have a bucket, you can use a pan or a pot. Just have a good amount of water, a shovel, and when you go to put your fire out, Pour that water on there, use that shovel to stir it around, and don't leave the fire until you can touch it with your hand safely, okay? And uh, let's try to pick up our garbage also. I know that they didn't talk about that uh, it's specifically towards fires, but let's leave that place a little more beautiful than it was when we got there. And thanks again, everyone for listening. Stick around. There's a recipe or two. 
following this. Okay, recipe time. Now, I thought I was going to have two salads for you guys because it's summertime and I thought we'd keep it really simple, but I'm actually going to give you my chicken teriyaki burger recipe along with a salad and then we'll maybe save a couple more recipes down the road for future episodes. We're going to start with the shrimp salad. It's salad sized shrimp, so those are your baby shrimp. You're going to want about three-quarter pound of salad shrimp then you're gonna have one zucchini small in size doesn't need to be very big one bag of rainbow rotini noodles those my children like to call those the roller coaster noodles or the spiral noodles and they're the orange green and uh, noodle colored noodles um, they're vegetable uh, noodles so get a bag of those then we're also going to have uh, one cup of green peas you can use frozen if you'd like one cup of your favorite Italian dressing or you could use any oil or vinegar uh, that you prefer I actually have used a lemon vinaigrette in this and it's really really good so but the original recipe calls for the Italian dressing so if you like that I'd go with the zesty just to give it a little kick they have the zesty Italian dressing that's very good so a cup of that then you are going to want to get one bell pepper red and one yellow bell pepper when you cut the bell pepper after you take the center out and the stem out um, you're going to cut it in sort of a julienne cut very very thin cuts. This is a salad We're not trying to look like you know, we're eating The side of a cow when we're eating the salad. So keep those um, <laughs> Bell peppers chopped really thinly and then we're also going to do a half a cup of green onions uh, let's see what else do we have I think that is all of your ingredients so this is really simple you're gonna boil those noodles um, till they're al dente which is approximately 9 to 11 minutes depending on the size of your pot and how much water you have in there after those are done rinse them and let them cool in the um, strainer uh, you want them to be cool when you mix the salad together then you're going to rinse those shrimp that you got from the store, the baby shrimp, the salad shrimp. You're going to obviously cut up your bell pepper. I like to shred my zucchini, but you can chop it if you want into smaller bite sizes. After your noodles have cooled, you're going to mix all your vegetables in with your noodles. You're going to add your shrimp. You're going to add your dressing. You can you know put in whatever you if you like olives throw olives in there if you like mushrooms throw mushrooms in there you can do whatever you'd like you'd also want to add of course at this time a teaspoon of salt two teaspoons of ground pepper and 
that salad is done. Bon appetit. And let's move right to the chicken teriyaki burgers. So guys, ladies, when you are grilling, let's remember it doesn't always have to be hot dogs and your standard hamburgers and your ribs or your, you know, dried out chicken breasts. You could go with this very delicious chicken teriyaki hamburgers. I guess they're not really hamburgers, they're chicken teriyaki burgers. Okay, so here we go with the ingredients for that. You are going to want a quarter cup of mayo. You want two pounds of your ground chicken. This is gonna make four to six patties. I know that doesn't sound like a lot, but chicken shrinks. And so you want these to be pretty good size uh, patties. If you wanna go smaller, that's fine. Make sliders even if you want to. Uh, so, but for this recipe, I'm, I'm doing about six patties out of the two pounds of chicken. Then we're going to have two teaspoons of ground pepper, black pepper, two teaspoons of white pepper, one and a half teaspoons of salt, one cup of your favorite teriyaki sauce. If you know how to make it by scratch, it's not very difficult and it's really a lot of fun. So you could try that as well. And then eight pineapple slices. Even though in this recipe we're making six patties, when you grill a pineapple, mm -mm -mm, you're going to want extra because it's, it's, you're going to plop it in your mouth. So if you want to go with, you know, 12 slices of pineapple on the grill, I would do that. There are quite a few fruits that when you grill them, it's something special. The caramelization, the juices get flowing, it's food outside is always better. So anyhow. Uh, then you want Hawaiian rolls for this recipe. Of course, you can use whatever bread you'd like. If you aren't uh, privy to Hawaiian rolls, that's fine. I grill the Hawaiian rolls just on the face for just a minute or so, just to, just to you know, crisp them up just a tiny bit before I put that patty on there. Because, you know, the, the with the pineapple grilled, by the way, once you grill your pineapple, uh, we're going to put that in our uh, chicken burger because the combination of all that is just amazing. So you're going to take your ground chicken now that we have all the ingredients. You're going to put that in a bowl. You're going to add your salt, both peppers. You're going to add your teriyaki sauce and you're going to add your quarter cup of mayo. The mayo is important because it does keep the meat from getting dry. Um, the teriyaki sauce is great, but it's sugar in there obviously and so it does not do a great job of moistening your chicken as you're grilling it so I would suggest that you go ahead and use that mayo if you're a miracle whip person or something like that and I don't want to comment on that because I don't want to offend but who eats miracle whip no I'm kidding but if you are a miracle whip person fine use use miracle whip I use Hellman's real mayonnaise best foods over here on the west coast East Coast, it's known as Hellman's. That's what I use. You can use whatever you like. They're not a sponsor, so it's completely up to you. In that bowl, you've mixed your chicken, you've mixed your spices for all intents and purposes, you've put in your mayo, you've put in your teriyaki sauce. Now get in there. I hope you've taken your rings off. Fellas, I hope you've taken your rings off. Get to massaging that meat. Mix it all together. Get in there, have fun. There's no reason to be shy. Just get after it. That teriyaki sauce, by the way, before you poured it all in there, 
presumably you're not doing this in real time while you're hearing the recipe, but save a little bit of that because we're going to want to brush that on our patties right before we put them on the burger uh, bread. And we're going to want to brush just a smidgen of that on our pineapple slices as well because it's really good. So once you've made your patties out of the mix that you've gotten your hands all into, make those patties, get them on the grill, and make sure that you have checked the internal temperature and it's at 165. I think 160 is actually technical, but you know, let's, let's be safe. We're cooking outside. We don't want to get sick. We want to have a good time. So 165 internal temperature, then those babies are ready to go. Put them on that bun that you've grilled just the face of. Dress it with honey mustard, dress it with, you know, green onion if you want to, or red onion that you've grilled. You can add at this point a little bit of whatever you want. I don't put lettuce on this sandwich. I use cabbage, shredded cabbage. Put all that together. Don't forget your grilled pineapple and bon appetit.